Hello, and welcome to DigFin Vox, Voices in Digital Finance. I'm your host, James DiBiazio. If you enjoy the program, give us a like, share, subscribe. Trading comes at a cost. Brokerage costs, clearing costs, exchange costs. How does the sell side deal with all of this? Because it's complex, but there's increasing ways to use automation to try to deliver visibility to COOs and CFOs. With me to talk about this is Bharat Malesha, Executive Vice President for Fees and Expenses at SmartStream Technologies. All right, Malesha, welcome to DigFinVox. Thank you, Jim. We're going to talk today about uh, fees and expenses, which um, obviously when times get difficult in financial services, people tend to focus a little bit more on. Uh, just as a way of introduction, my name is Bharat Malasha. I've been with SmartStream for over eight years. Uh, I came over to SmartStream as part of an acquisition of the product and services around fees and expense management. Uh, so I've been associated with, um, when I talk about fees and expense management for over 15 years. Now, let me explain what fees and expense management means to us. Uh, we basically, it is a process of controlling the market facing costs associated with executions. So when we, these costs mainly consists of brokerage fees, clearing, exchange fees, regulatory fees, settlement and custody fees. Uh, so all and, these things. Yeah, and so, uh, bro, just to so understand that the kinds of institutions that are paying these fees are brokers with seats on exchanges. Uh, is it just equities? Um, you know, who, who are we talking about? Is, you know, is it hedge funds? Who has to pay this stuff? So this, these, these fees are paid by sell-side firms to various brokers, exchanges, clearing houses, custodians, CSDs or ICSDs, and they're paying these fees to them. Now, if you look at banks spend, like when I'm talking about banks, the sell-side firms are spending hundreds of millions of dollars annually in these market-facing fees. Uh, again, which we typically also call as BCNE, is brokerage clearing and exchange. As, as an overall umbrella. I mean, again, this is the second largest spend base uh, after non, in the non-compensation category. So if you look at any of these tier one, tier two, tier three banks, you can see that these are the very large expenses on their PNL when it comes to non-comp expenses. And I think banks and other financial institutes normally contend with very high regulatory costs. They have pretty high, uh, capital requirements. And I think they're continuously under pressure of like, you know, on ROIs. And these firms really require to kind of closely monitor the internal trade costs across like, you know, front to back office and, and all, all of their technology functions, including communications and things like that. Right. Uh, so I think uh, banks really need a level of metric of these spends to really make some kind of you know, efficient decisions or more data-driven decisions. Bharat, you've been in this 15 years, you've been specializing in this area. Um, that's a lot of expertise. What's different today versus when you started out? Oh, so when we started out, I, I don't believe firms had a real strategy or banks had real strategy around managing these costs. Uh, as the evolution of like, you know, as the volumes of trading have gone up significantly over, over this period of time, 
there has been more and more focus on on these costs because with compressed margins and like you know the spreads sort of narrowing down the focus is come back to cost and saying are they really making money on certain transactions or not and that's the decision they have to make so i think again coming to having that metric of cost put on on every trade is absolutely essential for banks to make to make a decisions on which products which customers and are truly doing a, having a return on their bottom line right yeah so what is happening is it's like really very important for ceos and cfos and the business managers or desk heads to really understand that cost in the basis in and to in on in order to properly kind of price their business they they need to able to be measure their profitability they need to look at their business lines by client and enable them really enable them to kind of explain the differences between what they're forecasting versus what the actual business is business performances and really assess the return on their investments right how how has that also changed with in that period of time much of trading has become automated or electronic uh we've gone from voice uh and the traditional sort of sales um trading led floor to something that's much more quant a lot more low touch uh start first in equities now much more in fixed income uh fx so as that's happening what's happening on the fee side so are they able to you know and and volumes of course are, are much greater so yes maybe fees are higher but is that just a reflection of much more activity and you know when you do that as you mentioned absolutely you know how it, how it worth it is this trade you know is, is is that been fairly stable or has there been real changes in the how worth it is to do this trade based on the cost of it that's that's and and that's i think the key one of the key drivers as trading volumes have increased the the size of those trades have become smaller mm -hmm. and like it's, the unit cost of those trades have sort of you know even if the unit cost from otc to electronic has reduced significantly but still the spreads on those on those trades have actually kind of those execution have reduced where you used to do let's say uh, like you know a 100000 transactions those same firms are now running like you know about 5 million transactions a day and that is because of the size of what as you said algos running through the strategies that they are running through and each of them these are all different cost drivers that you know define the cost of that particular execution so how efficiently they are actually executing from a cost standpoint also need to be monitored very closely i think what is happening is that these head of trading or ceos they must determine whether the businesses and customers really generate adequate return on capital and to do that they have to understand that cost at that level and with and, and just not having so just where you take out the costs as an aggregate across businesses and geographies i think they need to understand what the challenges in each of those geographies are and each of those jurisdiction or those markets are to understand what that cost basis is to kind of really drive efficiency so you sort of have a matrix you've got obviously product or let's say asset class you have marketplace right i guess is different in hong kong versus in india versus uh, australia and then you've also got the fact that you're talking with brokerage fees versus clearing versus exchange so you got kind of this three-way matrix to kind of figure out what it's going to cost you to do a certain activity 
Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, there are, I mean, when we talk about BCNE as overall at the top level as three kind of, you know, uh, three key pillars of those expenses. But underneath, there are several subcategories of these costs and that apply in different markets, different kind of, you know, situations, different type of execution, including if you look at transaction taxes. So they are like prevalent in in France or Italy or like, you know, or this, on, this, on the Spanish markets. They have a transaction cost of executing any securities within that kind of domicile within those countries. And you can see these regulation, whether it's stamp stacks, whether it's section 31 fees, all these kind of, you know, combined kind of, you know, fall into within these categories. Right. Yeah. So, so some of these some of these costs are fixed. Like in Hong Kong, we've got a stamp duty on on equity trades. So uh, I, I guess to some extent that cannot be. It, maybe you can automate the processing of that, but you can't get rid of that cost. No, it's not only always about optimizing the cost, right? It's about bringing transparency of that cost and what's drive that cost and what is like what how do you allocate that cost back so that it's actually following the revenue. And you're able to kind of look at the overall net contribution of every execution that is flowing through. Mm -hmm. So I think firms are, I mean, when I look at various firms across the globe, they're looking for almost a near real-time view of their BCNE costs. I mean, it is not just sufficient to answer how much is the cost or what is their spend base, but is also to understand what is driving that cost. It needs to explain the change that happens period over period. I mean, is it, it is, is it because of like, you know, certain strategies they are running? Is it because of the price change? Is it because of their volume change? So they are looking for a strategy to really come up with a consolidated reporting around uh, the overall spend base. So they can get some key insights and measurements that they really need to drive a more informed business decision. Bharat, another big trend we've seen that's, I think, now played itself out, but has had a big impact on the industry was the unbundling of research, right? So um, that created, I guess, new pressures on understanding what things are valued and what they cost to produce. Does that also play into what you're doing? Because obviously you're not there, you're not trying to price research, but um, but on the execution side, that that left a different kind of dynamic. No, so we actually do split uh, research and execution costs for many of our firms. Okay. Because what happens is there is a very, uh, there is an agreement on what that research cost is going to look like per transaction or based on that volume, on a volume adjusted basis. It's actually created and the pool is created to pay the research vendor against that kind of the, the pot that has been created for research. And then you have a separate execution cost that is sort of you know, reported separately. So we, me, me, firms are looking at doing that, and it's it's pretty common to have that you know understanding of that research cost, what you're kind of basically creating a pool for your clients, and how clients are using using that research through these research providers, and then actually pay those bills out for on behalf of your customers. So that's also critical in, in this whole process. Okay, so that's part of the game. Uh, how has automation changed in that time? As the trading has become more electronic, have the ways to, to capture and account for what's happening uh, also become more automated? Uh, it, 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 has, it has significantly automated, but again, it depends on the different markets as to what the level of automation, like, you know, certain markets, Kind of provide 
I'll give you an example. Uh, around the globe, there are only a, a few number of markets that actually provide digital fee schedules or publish digital fee schedules. In most cases, they are in PDF, Word documents on their websites. And it is a contract, which is like hundreds of pages sometimes, or tens of pages of that, like, you know, these fee schedules. So there is a need to sort of understand what that flow of those, of those transactions is and what that kind of you know, fee means, what the tiering are, why, what different plans are, and digitizing all that information is also a big challenge today in the industry. So that's one of the areas that we kind of focus with our customers, that we support our customers as a utility to provide that sort of you know, um, a digitization of all the fee schedule digitization of all the invoices because invoices don't come in electronic form they're again pdfs and they're more machine readable because you can get an excel and they're more machine readable than kind of you know others but there's always that challenge it's not something completely kind of you know standardized or message based like any of the iso messages and things like that right so do you deploy a lot of uh, artificial intelligence or machine learning to try to decipher these texts uh, so we, so one of the areas that we've been focusing on is actually digitization of the invoices, because there's key information on the invoices at the level of that we want to capture those invoices today is extremely important. So when you asked me earlier about what has changed, so 15 years ago, when we get all these invoices, they would be in PDF forms or Word forms or scanned documents. It would go to an accounts payable team. They would basically get an allocation from the business and get a high level view of saying, okay, it is in line with their previous month or the last three months average and pay those invoices. But there was absolutely no transparency captured from those kind of that information and saying what is actually driving that cost because everything was at a vendor level, currency and legal entity. That's pretty much it. But now we're able to dig down deeper on every line item, every service that these vendors are providing. And we're able to kind of capture the volume and the fees, fee associated with that to kind of drive that kind of uh, drive that kind of a business intelligence in that spend base. So again, I mean, I think it's important to understand that because of that, firms are looking for enablement, right? They're looking for enablement of various businesses that they're offering. I'll give you an example of that is a cost plus offering that our customers want to do. To offer their clients cost plus, they have to really have a clear understanding of their cost base at execution level. There is no other way of actually saying you can give them cost plus. So, because you need to understand the cost and that's what you're passing on to the customer. How so different is, Yeah. How different are those experience with your customers in say developed markets versus emerging markets? I mean, again, uh, uh, to, I mean, just to, to tell you, I mean, uh, the fact is that every market has its own nuances and differences. Uh, Asia markets or European markets are more complex because again, there are many more exchanges, there are many more clearing kind of you know, avenues and multi-currency, right? Unlike US, it's one currency, one major clearing house or two major clearing houses and, and two major custodians, let's say, or, or CSDs. Right. Uh, but then if you, when you go into the European market, you have now like, you know, you're, you're swallowed with a, a slew of clearing houses, different currencies, different markets, and trading happening on exchange on markets in multiple currencies. 
So it creates that complexity and that makes it even worse in Asia with those volumes and kind of you know, the complexity of those and the nature of those jurisdictions in terms of how they operate and how they kind of you know, charge fees on these transactions. What is the way that COOs or CFOs can use this information, not just to maybe be a little more efficient in their trading strategies to figure out, you know, maybe they decrease high cost transactions, but how much information can they get about the overall operation from looking at fees and expenses? Uh, what kind of power does that give them? So, the, so I'll give you an example. It's about it's giving them an empowerment into visibility to what markets, how they're getting charged for certain strategies. Mm -hmm. So whether certain strategies are going to work in one market versus the other, there are options available to them. And they're able to kind of drive that kind of optimization. They're able to drive the plans that they kind of sign up with these markets. So many markets actually even offer different pricing models. And whether you take pricing model A versus pricing model B, for your volume profile, how do you kind of align that? So it's the analysis that needs to be done as to what your effective rate ultimately is across each plan, and then choose the best. And they, if they could be making that decision month over month, subscribing to a different plan to take that optimization. So it's, it's not just about the quality of execution because that they cannot change, but they can definitely make decisions on what is going to cost them, like, you know, from a, from a costing standpoint of those execution, what works best for them. There are various incentive plans these markets offer. Are they aware of those incentive plans? Those incentive plans keep coming month over month. Are they subscribing to those incentive plans to really kind of, you know, take the most optimized way of kind of execution on those markets? What's the challenge for you as a business uh, in terms of getting, I mean, you know, you, we can talk at a high level about some of the, the big trends that are happening uh, and, and some of the ideally what you'd be able to deliver to, to banks. Um, yeah, they have to deal with a lot of systems, they have to deal with a lot of questions, um, integration. So see, firms work right now in a pretty complex environment, right? So you have legal entities and in, like, you know, different businesses, different regions, different jurisdictions. Now what happened, and all these fees, as they kind of, you know, it's a pretty, it gets pretty complex in terms of, you know, how that charging, the charging mechanism happened, or how do you arrive at that cost base? Because even firms like, like these providers, like these markets or these venues are also trying to kind of, you know, optimize their revenue at the end of the day. So they make these kind of, you know, as possible, complex as possible to ensure that they're also getting enough revenue out of that and then not losing revenue or market share within this within this space. Uh, so part of the challenge again is always with these firms is the complexity of this, as I explained, there are multiple sources of information. They have several execution platforms. They have several kind of booking platforms. They have several settlement platforms. Now sourcing that data, getting the right kind of attribution required to drive, like that will basically be able to get a, a correct value of what that cost should be, or more get an accurate view of that cost to be able to be calculated. I don't think that's that's their focus from a, when there is when you're talking about trading platforms or booking platforms. So that integration is a big challenge. The data quality that comes out, the enrichment of that information. 
just to deal with that, it becomes pretty challenging within banks. So I think it's just not like, you know, uh, it's just not as simple as saying this is one project, but there's right. all these other integration points where the cost kind of, you know, comes in to implement that. So there's always this uh, uh, entry point barrier, right? I would say a barrier to entry into yeah. this kind of you know, objectives. But I think firms who have made, who have clearly defined a strategy and saying how they want to move that, and they have very specific strategic goals on what their cost efficiency should look like in this space over the next three years, over the next five years, are really adapting to this kind of you know this message. So how do you? Yeah, I, think, I mean, I guess if the banks they they're running a zillion things are happening at the same time. Um, so two big trends that are I guess sort of still ongoing. One is the the LIBOR shift to new benchmarks in the fixed income world for interest rates, or in the equities world, the U.S. is is you know feeling its way to going to a T plus one uh, settlement time. Uh, so when you've got these big global mega trends happening in capital markets, um, you, you know they need to make those changes, but they need to make sure that ideally that as they make those changes, that they're doing so in a way that keeps them kind of future-proofed or forward-looking. Um, so how do you kind of uh, insert yourself into that conversation? So the fun thing is being, I've worked at a bank for 20 plus years and the challenges within the bank is there's always only so much budget for these large projects. And so always only so much budget, budget for change the bank. And what happens is when you have these mega trends driving most of the sort of projects, this piece of fees and expense management sort of, you know, almost overlooked at times, right? And saying that it's not a mandatory kind of, you know, requirement. As long as you're able to kind of manage and pay those and like, you know, have some controls around these processes, you're fine. So you're focused on kind of driving those big, big events that are happening in the market and all the investments drive there. Or there are regulatory focuses that come in and a significant budget goes out there. So that's where I think the, it's all about at the, at the end of the day as to what you can produce for what you kind of you know have from a budgeting standpoint for to change the bank, and that's what drives that kind of you know the cost basis. I mean, I'll give you an example. When we talk about T plus one, but is when they're looking at that from the way, way I look at it is this is going to increase the volume significantly mm -hmm. because now you have less fail rate, less capital requirement. If all that fits in together, that means there'll be more trading happening. Because now you can be, you would be able to use that those funds to trade more. Right. So that means your trading volume could potentially double. But that with that, there's also a cost associated. And who's looking at that? What is the cost basis of doing that? And that's where I think you know people need to start looking at things and more strategically in terms of how they manage this cost. One last question for you, Bharat, and thanks so much for your time today, um, Crystal Ball. Uh, You've been in this game for a while. Uh, you, you work for SmartStream, a technology company. Um, where do you see the tech headed in the next several years? I think there'll be more digitization. There'll be more, like, I mean, there's absolutely going to be changing the, the overall, like, automation landscape. Uh, there will be more predictive analysis that will be coming in with kind of, you know, having uh, all the AI, ML, kind of, you know, technologies that are going to push this thing. And I think there, there, there'll be a marketplace where we'll be like, there'll be a much more electronic focus marketplace. 
but I think it's also then going to increase the scope and uh, the volumes of what what is coming through. Right. So I, I I don't see the cost going away anywhere, but it's just going to be it's going to be transformed in very diff many different ways. Uh, so I believe that the processes will be required, the controls will be required, but a lot of that will be driven by sort of this automation. But then to handle those volumes, that automation is required. Because with the current scale of like where the automation stands today versus you know uh, labor intensive work, that is going to be replaced by kind of higher volumes, basically. Yeah. Well, I think we'll end on that note. I mean, at the end of the day, um, those higher costs reflect a good problem, a problem you want to have, which is more business and more activity. It's just how you uh, manage the inevitable downsides of, of those. Um, so, uh, Bharat, Malesha, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me at Dishman Vox. Thank you, James. Thank you very much. <laughs>